0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to yet another episode of FintechX. I'm Amit Jaiswal, Senior Information Security Officer at Cadex, which is India's largest supply chain finance platform. Today, we have with us two very distinguished FinTech experts, Sankesh Sarkar, founder and CEO of Zeron, which is a cyber risk posture management platform that offers a comprehensive solution to empower organizations to proactively manage and mitigate their cybersecurity risk. And Mr. Adit Kumar, co-founder and CEO at Nero, an embedded finance startup with a mission to empower consumer internet platform to become consumer finance superpowers by offering their customers competitive, innovative, competitive and frictionless financial products. A very warm welcome to the two of you to FintechX PowerCredX. Today's topic of discussion is, how are Fintech innovations tackling cyber risk and data security challenges? In the rapidly evolving landscape of financial technology, innovations have not only transformed the way we manage our finances, but have also ushered in new challenges, particularly in the realm of cybersecurity and data security. As financial institutions and technology companies continue to push the boundaries of what is possible, the need to address cyber risk and safeguard sensitive data becomes paramount. This exploration delves into the integrate intersection of FinTech and cybersecurity, examining the innovative solutions and strategies that are being deployed to mitigate threats and ensure the resilience of finance financial systems in the face of evolving cyber challenges. With that, I would like to invite Mr. Sanket to share his thoughts around how fintechs are tackling cyber risk and data security challenges.
1: Hi, Amit. Hi, Ritya. And hi, everyone on the podcast. So thank you, Amit, for inviting me on this particular thing. And really interesting topic on how fintech innovations tackle cyber risk and data security challenges so uh having said that if you look at the fintech space first of all first thing is this particular industry as a whole handles very crucial data very crucial information and the kind of process that's involved is comprehensive but at the same time it's complicated as well Now, whatever i said might look super complicated the security for fintech is too complicated as well but what are the different ways you can adapt to this and still keep on innovating because when you look into security a lot of challenges would come for the fintechs in terms of innovating right right? because while you want to innovate, there are a lot of security measures that you will have to skip. The answer to that is again tech itself. So you will see a lot of organizations using blockchains, using different kinds of uh, new technologies to tackle this. And the way they're architecting it, they're taking security, uh, secure code as a practice. So all these different things are adding up to the things on how they can balance the innovation and cybersecurity. But having said that, with the present regulations that we are having in the country and upcoming regulations that are going to come up, security is something that they would have to place in a forefront rather than the innovation. But yes, there would be ways and there are still ways to balance both of these out. But it's better for them to put the security as a forefront uh, with the innovation so mm-hmm. that if they have a competitive edge and uh, gain more trust with the customers. Like you would see, everyone makes mobile phones, smartphones, right? But the way Apple puts its security as an edge, the security features in Apple as an edge, wins many of the uh, premium customers that they have. So that's... Uh, how I would like to start this conversation is putting the security as a forefront so that whatever they do, they have a competitive edge over the offerings that they're providing to their customers.
0: Right. So uh, as you said, also like uh, uh, fintech companies need to look out, uh, you know, the different type of uh, regulations and threats. Uh, uh, what kind of, uh, you know that there is a lot of data breaches, identity theft, ransomware attacks, unauthorized access, pose significant risk to fintech companies. And in the face of such challenges, it is crucial for companies to stay ahead of the curve and implement robust cybersecurity, right? So you know that also that attackers are increasingly targeting the fintech uh, financial uh, firms. Uh, Rather than they are approaching spray and approach, so this allows them to tailor their attack to the specific vulnerabilities. What kind of vulnerabilities you see that, what kind of thought, what's your thought on the key points of FinTechs so they can handle these kind of security and risk challenges in their
1: environment? you.
0: Sure,
1: fantastic question, Amit. And it's a trend that I have seen with the FinTechs. There are, even right now, uh, they have been in business for six, seven years. But there are a couple of big fintechs who do not have the basic necessities for securities. And this is something that I witnessed. Most of the fintechs, when you talk about the regulation, so these are two different things. Regulations and actual cyber security or cyber threats, right? The cyber risks that are there. Most of the fintechs look at the security as a checklist for regulations. I need to do this, 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 this. Please take it. We have done this. We need to submit this report to my regulator. Might be RBI or something, right? I have even heard these kind of conversations or have been a part of these kind of conversations where the fintech wants. Please lower the risk. Please do this as mitigated. I need to get this certificate. I need to get this approval from RBI. Right. And do it like that. There's no it. They can do it. Everyone does a lot of different things for running their business. But the problem that happens in the long run, when a mishap happens, it's a huge mess. The license gets canceled, a lot of other things, right? So ideally it might look like an easy win, but in the long term, it creates a lot of problems. Now, the question that comes in is, there are a lot of security tools that are available. And uh, on the lot of technologies that are available, but the same technology are available to hackers as well as the people who are preventing them. What is that that makes the hackers stay ahead of the defenders? So I have a very good answer to it. And the C that we see is when well, for defenders, every attack you have to save, you cannot lose once. For hackers, it doesn't matter. They don't. It doesn't matter to them if a hack happens or not, because if they are trying hundred times, they just want to succeed once, and it's done for them. So they have an edge over it. Right. Once this uh, thought process of actually looking or actually prioritizing cybersecurity rather than just a checklist becomes a a methodology or a thought process in the fintech industry, I think those threats and the breaches that are happening, the rate would come down. And if you talk about the trends, well, 2022 was the year of ransomware attacks. This particular year, we are seeing a huge supply chain attacks that are happening. And even in 2024, mark my words, supply chain attack is going to top the list because a lot of integrations are happening the fintechs are connecting to banks the banks are working with fintechs and the fintechs are directly connecting to the consumers right who are actually taking the uh, services from them now as an hacker so i have been uh, in the hacking field for the last 12 years as a hacker if i need the data of a particular bank whom for whom i know they have a basic benchmarking of security it's tough to get in directly there but if I know if there's a fintech who is connected to that bank through API or something, and I then get the access, that's an easier approach for me. And that's what supply chain attacks are all about. So 2024 is going to be the year of supply chain attacks.
0: Right. So, uh, so Sankit, as you said, uh, uh, like uh, supply chain, uh, this question I would like to answer to Aditya, like uh, Aditya, as a co founder of Nero. Uh, you need to handle a lot of data collection, uh, uh, you know, information of customers. Uh, and as a fintech companies, you need to handle uh, sensitive financial information. Uh, so what are the data, fundamental data security measures uh, you f- would like to uh, highlight In as a fintech companies need to implement like uh, encryptions, uh, multi-factor authentication, access control? These are the, you know, some basic controls, but what are the uh, major controls you would like to look out uh, in the fintech companies respective to cyber securities, user awareness training, something. So if you can highlight on those things, please. So
2: uh, Amit, firstly, thanks for having me here. Um, And, you know, good to meet, good to meet all of you. Um, I think the key ones that, the key ones are the ones that you mentioned, right? Uh, But as Sankip was saying, I think when it comes to, Um, when it comes to both cybersecurity risks, um, and customer protection, I think there are two sets of, there are two set ways that Fintech companies need to now think about this. One is brass tacks, right? That I have a fiduciary responsibility to my customer to protect her or his data. Um, and I need to ensure that, uh, I need to ensure that in the case, that I minimize the possibility of number one, minimize the risk of any security breach by taking the, some of the protections, which you mentioned number one and number two, that in the event of a breach, it's not that the most sensitive data or all customers data gets compromised in one shot, right? So even in the event of there, firstly, I'm my responsibility is to ensure that there are no breaches and minimize uh, the possibility of a breach. Number two, even in the event of a breach, the, the damage should be limited, right? That's, that's the brass tack side. Right. The second side is the regulatory side, right? So the digital, uh, you know, the digital lending guidelines now actually outline certain measures that loan, you know, for example, in the lending space, that loan service providers, which are fintechs, which are not regulated as NBFCs, need to take, right? Um, and those measures include, you know, in, I mean, right? that and other regulation dictates where your data is stored. Uh, what data can be stored. So for example, Aadhaar numbers cannot be stored in an unmasked manner, right? Even if you have that, you're not supposed to store them in an unmasked manner. So where you store data, how you store data, what kind of data you're allowed to store. And very importantly, giving cons- custom under the latest digital lending guidelines, giving customers the control or the ability to actually delete their data from their system at their will. Right? So let's say I signed up for a. For a Nero product, I took a loan, I repaid it, and a year later, I don't want Nero to have access to my data anymore. We need to give customers direct control over their data to be able to delete it from our systems if we choose to, right? If they choose to. But I think, in general, the historical attitude to this has been has been sort of very sort of laxative. That look. This is a good to have, but, you know, it's fine. We'll worry about this as we scale. Um, When you read examples of breaches happening and the kind of information that's starting to get leaked, you realize the severity of it, especially because you're dealing with sensitive and financial information, which can have a bearing on a customer's health, right? Today, if they get access to, uh, for example, their password for Nero and their PAN card details, they could potentially use that to log into another income tax portal because that password could be the same. So I think it's more, and you know, the question is more around the attitude of of the respective fintech um, being pro, very proactive about it, as opposed to just doing it. As I think uh, Sanket was saying, as opposed to just tick a box. Um, but you know, going forward, these things I think will be will be front and center for for all fintechs.
0: So my question is like, uh, uh, as you said, like uh, digital uh, data fiduciary. Um, Uh, Because uh, digital uh, personal data protection law has been uh, you know, uh, guidelines has been uh, published by the government recently and every fintech companies need to be implemented because earlier uh, there was a GDPR, which was, uh, you know, uh, for for the European uh, companies now after this uh, data protection law, uh, fintech need to be compelled with these uh, digital personal data protection act. And uh, as uh, as a digital uh, as a fintech company, they need to take consent from the customer. They need to have defined uh, retention policies, data localization. Uh, they should have uh, you know these kind of things need to be uh, implemented in their environment. If you can highlight something related to that, uh, uh, how uh, what is your thoughts on this? What's your uh, process for that? Uh, sure. If you can... so, so I think that. I think the, I mean, at least the the version
2: that's the the practical implication for the version that's currently in the, uh, that is, you know, it hasn't been gazetted yet. So it's not notified, but, uh, at least the one that's been currently under discussion is that is the focus of it from a, the applicability of it from a consumer FinTech point of view, at least is largely around in, in ensuring that the data that you have is appropriately consented. Okay. Um, and these, that's one of the biggest implications, what appropriately consented means is that today, let's say you, I, I am a platform Nero or any platform for that matter. You came to me, uh, you signed up for my product or service three years ago, right? Hypothetically. And I oh. continue to be in, I continue to be in possession of or in custody of, or a fiduciary of some data that you give me at some point, and I am using it in a particular way. Right? I'm using it for, let's say, remarketing products to you, um, or or, or different products to you at different points in time, because you give me access to that data. Now, what the, now there are two scenarios, right? Um, Under this, uh, under the data protection bill, one scenario is, I believe that I have taken adequate and explicit consent from you at the time that you availed of my product or service to continue to Market these products to you. Continue to use your data for whichever purpose I initially took it. Okay. If I believe that those consents are adequate, under the new data protection bill, my responsibility is to inform you that, hey, Amit, you signed up for a product or service on this in this state. At that time, you consented to these five things. Just letting you know, I continue to use this data of yours to continue to market different financial products to, For example. Okay. Okay. In that I need to give you an explicit ability to opt out, right? Which says Amit then at that point, sees this email and says, okay, A, either I disagree that I gave you those consents, I never did. And even if I did, I'm opting out. I don't want you to market de- use my data for this purpose anymore, right? That is in the scenario in which I have, that is in the scenario in which I believe that the consents that were taken from you at that time were A adequate and B explicit. The second scenario is where I believe or I know that those consents were either not explicit or not, uh, you know, not, not explicit or were not sufficient. In that case, I need to, before I do anything with that data going forward, I need to first reseek your consent and that consent has to be explicit. So I need to write to you and say, Hey, Amit, by the way, I'm in possession of this data of yours. I intend to use this to do A, B, and C kindly provide me your consent. And if you don't, if I do, you don't provide me with your consent. I have no right to be able to use that data to do anything, right? So that's the biggest. This, from my perspective, you know, this is and this is more applicable to the consumer fintechs, but uh, this is a you know this is a, a reasonably large you know,
0: implication. Um, right, right, correctly said. Uh, like as you said, consent is the one of the uh, major implica- implications fintech need to be considered while implementing data protection privacy. Right. So, any thoughts on this, Sanket? On uh, on this data privacy and protections, You uh, would like to add something on this. You sure. want to? Uh,
1: yeah. Uh, sure. So, I uh, the perspective that I'm going to put in right, is a bit different. And uh, when you talk about the DPDP Bill, which is the Act right now, the DPDP Act, first of all, it's just not for fintechs; it's for any organization. And secondly it's more on an obviously the organization's text would take the measures from their end but you know, do we as a citizens or like the majority of the citizens actually know what this act means i'll give an example amitya have you ever been to uh, a burger king or a mcdonalds or any other like uh, obviously you it's a lot of food quotes, right? Yes. yes. While billing, do they ask you your number? Right. Do you give the number? Yes, sometimes we give numbers, yeah. So they're asking you, sir, I need your number. How many times do we ask, what do you need this number for? Exactly. Exactly. So we need to ask this
0: kind of questions. So,
1: Supposingly, I might be running an organization. And I might take your data. And you just tick the boxes, right? Uh, or I just ask your details. You give those details to me. And you do uh, You do not even bother how I use your data. This DPDP Act is not going to be of any means if the citizens are not aware what their rights are. I'll again give an example. Uh, there are many... So take, for example, uh, Domino's last to last year, they had a huge data breach. They're not in Europe, but the data that got leaked had European citizens data in it because they were saying in India no, at, at that moment of time, when like they had ordered. If those people wanted, they could have sued Domino's for a $20 million of fine. Which they got actually. There were a couple of uh, cases that were filed for GDP. Right. So people actually need to get aware and uh, like it's it's a huge task. Uh, recently um uh, has started something with uh, Mr. Bachan as the ambassador for it, where they right. promote the SMS and all key uh, right? So uh there has to be huge work on awareing, making people aware of what their actual rights are. We, we live in a uh, country where most of the people actually, even after having RTI rights, we do not know how to use our RTI events. So, uh, even how to like put an application for an RTI. So, DPTP is a great move uh, from a data privacy standpoint, but
0: It's
1: a far long journey before
0: it actually makes sense as an act. Right, right, rightly said. So uh, that's a great uh, uh, insight given by you uh, and Aditya on this. Uh, My next question, uh, Sanket, to you, like Aditya nicely said, like uh, once we have any kind of uh, uh, incidents, uh, we need to handle those kind of cybersecurity incidents. And these uh, cybersecurity incidents, you know, continue to be the top of the concern for all the fintechs. And the importance of having a robust incident plan should be in place. And how fintech companies are preparing for this, uh, and uh, the mitigation of impact of these data breaches, cyber attacks. So, uh, how uh, fintech companies ready by uh, what kind of steps they need to take. Once they have a data breach, uh, cyber attacks happen. What is your own thought on this, uh, Sanket?
1: So my thoughts on these are: Why to wait for the data breach to happen for an incident possible. Prepare yourself in a way that you know your fitness measures. You know the problems that are there. You know your weaknesses. And you know what are the actions that you need to take. So, take for example, you have cold and cough. Right? Do you wait for the time till you like get bedridden and see the doctor and get the medicines? Whenever you see that you are sneezing and you have a running nose, you at least start doing gargling, right, with hot water or take a vapor. So you stay fit, right? You mm-hmm. do exercises so that you do not uh, fall sick nowadays people wear smart watches to uh, measure their fitness level why not to have a solution at your pace or why not to have something at the top level management so that they can have a pulse of what's going on in the organization in terms of cyber security you know what are the things that are going on you know should know that what are the things that matters to me not every incident that happens in the organization should matter to you there would be a lot of incidents that do not matter for the business the should just be aware of the things that would matter for the business and when you're talking about a robust incident management plan how i look at it you should have a plan for the things that matter to you and you should put it as a backlog for the things that do not matter to you is the first thing that you need to do. you need to prioritize because as fintech as i started the conversation right if you just focus on the security you will lose out on innovation if you just focus on innovation you will lose out the security so you need to balance Correctly so said. prioritizing the uh, incidents for you is would be really 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 important.
0: Right, right. As you said, like preventive approach is first is the better option co- compared to the corrective approach. So uh, organization need to be set up uh, some kind of a, uh, you know uh, fundamental data security measures need to be.
1: Right. Ready. So I'll I'll give you a point on this one. Right. Uh, what do you like? Uh, renovated products or pro-products? Obviously, everyone likes everything pro-level, right? Correct. So you if you call it pro and re, like renovated is RE. So why be reactive where you can be proactive?
0: Correct. Right. Right. So, Sankit, could you have shared any kind of uh, case study, res- recent example of uh, incident if you have uh, seen, if you can address something in your uh, uh, experience, uh, which uh, we can learn from that kind of lessons uh, if I have something.
1: I can share, but it would be a bit biased to the product that we have right, and uh, how it helped our customers solve that particular issue. But I'll, I'll extend that. So uh, there was a particular customer of ours who hired a particular leak in the dark web. Okay, now it was very difficult for them to trace back of what are the exact systems and there is no particular solution in the industry which can tell you that. So what our platform Xeron does is it takes care of the external surface, internal surface, maps it with regulatory compliance and gives you business insights in terms of cybersecurity. So since we had a... like understanding our platform had an understanding already of the internal things as well, so that could be easily coordinated and finding it was very easy for them. Right. So that was how the incident uh, management happened for them, and they were pretty happy with it. So that's one of the recent incidents that I can share.
0: Okay, okay, Great. uh So my uh, next question with uh, aritya uh, because uh, Aditya, you need to be have uh, handle a lot of uh, regulatory bodies uh, in fintech environment, and to adopt these uh, fintech landscape and impose cybersecurity regulations. How how these regulations are influencing the industry approach to your uh, data security, uh, respective to uh, regulatory bodies. Uh, what is your thought on this? Uh, because uh, Fintechs need to be, you know, a lot of time uh, in track with the regulatory bodies, RBI, CBs. So how we can uh, ensure that our data security with respect to uh, data reg- regulatory bodies?
2: Yeah, so I think uh, it depends on who you are, right? Um, so in, in our industry, um, there are two types of uh, fintech lenders. Uh, one is an NBFC, um, where you are regulated directly by the RBI. And the second is where you are not an NBFC, which means you're a digital lender or what they now call under the digital lending guidelines, a loan service provider, right? Um, in the case that you are not a loan, So in the case that, you know, you are not regulated by the RBI as an NBFC and you're uh, recognized as a loan service provider, the onus of regulation actually falls on the regulated entity, which you work with to disburse loan. For example, that is the bank or the NBFC. Let's say that Nero works with as an LSP to, um, give loans to their end consumers, right. Um, so as I said, the extent of regulations here largely apply to a minimum standards around data security, number two, uh, good practices and, you know, governance around the manner and the manner in which, uh, data is allowed to be stored, number two, and number three, the way that data is stored, right. As the, the example that I gave you where the, um, The example that I gave you, where, for example, nobody, you're not allowed to consume and store unmasked Aadhaar numbers, right, Uh, for any purpose, right? Because the view of the regulator is that no, I don't care what you're using that number for. If you were to store it and if you were to leak, that can have terrible unintended consequences in terms of customers' financial health, social security, etc., etc. So I think um, you know to that extent the the regular the onus from the regulators in both of these are fairly benign, right? Uh, what the regulators prescribe, whether it's the RBI or the bank of the NBFC that you work with, is is required to check. Are are things that frankly should be hygiene for any for anyone in the digital lending business, anyway, right? Um, so that standard is actually not, you know, that standard is actually not very very uh, onerous or very high. What I would like to believe uh, is that most. FinTech companies, especially who are dealing with large-scale consumer data, um, are actually doing significantly more than is prescribed by the regulator. But the regulator's requirements are are good, but they are not onerous. Uh, they're, they're not onerous at all.
0: Okay, okay. So as you said, like uh, 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 FinTechs has been uh, you know uh, categorized in do two, two categories as you said, like NBFCs, banks, uh, and the FinTechs LSPs, LSP, right? So uh, well, once you look out, banks are a financial institution and fintechs need to integrate with their, sometimes, uh, with their products uh, integration. They need to you know, align with their uh, uh, cybersecurity policies, uh, frameworks uh, itself, because they are moreover aligned with the uh, regulators, uh, guide, guidelines, compared to fintechs. Right? Correct. Uh, so, uh, somehow, fintechs need to be, uh, you know, uh, since they need to align with these uh, the regulatory banks and financial institutions, they need to be compelled with these uh, cybersecurity uh, regulations also, uh, which is aligned by the RBI's. I think. Correct. Absolutely. Correct. Okay. So, uh, like, uh, we have uh, discussed these pointed, my next question would be uh, with uh, Sankit. Uh, Sankit, if you can help me out uh, on understanding, uh, like uh, uh, we have seen uh, a lot of uh, cyber security and cyber protection was uh, reactive uh, initially, and now it become proactive. uh, I mean, uh, later on it become proactive and uh, preventive. Now we have seen there are a lot of predictive cyber defense. Uh, because AI and ML will come into picture. And after that, uh, you know, fintech companies are leveraging these AI, AI, artificial and machine learning for real-time threat detection and predictive analytics to identify the responses to cyber threats. So how do you, what's your thoughts on this? How do you uh, look out the things respective to AI and ML uh, for cybersecurity?
1: Right. So to talk about uh, the AI models, right? So it's it's really helpful. Uh, even in our platform, we use a lot of generative AI models, uh, which actually help leverage a lot of insights and analytics from the data that we collect. So it is, it is very, very helpful. There's no doubt about it. Having said that, how you use the LLM models and how you handle the data would be very crucial in this particular part uh, going ahead as well. Because there is a lot of analytics that could happen in the financial sector using LLM uh, models and bringing context to those data, right? Not only analytics, but because LLM uh, primarily works on generation of things, so a lot of contextualization would happen with that. But there's a lot of threat to it as well. So LLM security would be another aspect. And when you start off with the regulations, I just like to put this point that regulations come when an incident happens. So if you are just following regulations, you are just going to be uh, protected with things that have already happened. And uh, for you to be prepared for something that might come, it takes a lot of effort to get yourself prepared. Just the statistics. can you tell me when bombay stock exchange was formed uh,
0: what you said please
1: uh, yeah. yeah when was bombay stock exchange founded
0: um, no idea uh, what's your thought uh, i mean uh,
1: it, it was on 9th june 1875 okay right who got, who is the regulator of bombay stock exchange sebi okay yeah right. sebi was formed 12th April 1992, right? So it's almost more than 100 years after a body, a regulation, a regulatory body was formed. So uh, it's, it's very essential for the index as an in organization or as an in, uh, institution, right? Or as an identity, as Aditya rightly mentioned. It's a responsibility of them of how you protect your customers' data. So if you look at from that perspective, regulations would just enhance your walls and make you uh, more strong in terms of your cyber risk posture. Okay. And if you can use AI and all, if you can leverage all those things, it would always be helpful. But at the, at the bottom, at the core, I truly align with what Aditya said, Is it's the responsibility and the consciousness of the fintech itself of how much they value their customers, of how much uh, they are concerned about the security of the data of their customers, is what brings it down to everything. Because if you have the right intent, you will do the things. If you do not care about it, whatever it might be, we know laws can be bypassed, so uh, you would just bypass those laws just to make money. Right. but in the long run,
0: it would be tough. Correctly said. Correctly, like uh, uh, for uh, for fintechs, for everyone, I believe that cyber security should be taken seriously uh, in their environment uh, because uh, AI after the AI ML uh, attackers also use these uh, AI MLs for attacking and uh, you know uh, the threat landscape is very high and uh, fintechs need to be more uh, you know proactive on this uh, I believe so.
1: Right.
0: Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so Aditya, uh, uh, my next question is with you, uh, like, uh, what kind of challenges FinTech company face, uh, in implementing security measures such as the cost complexity and the need for constant adoption adoption. Uh, so what, what is your thoughts on this? Uh, like, uh, once while
2: implementing security measures. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think there are, you know, any real, you know, any prohibitive cost implications. I think the implications are more just around priority and prioritization and discipline. See, with some of these things, myth because they don't add to business, right? And because tech resources are scarce and precious. There is always a, there is always a, a temptation to deprioritize some of these things, right? So let's say, for example, my encryption stand hypothetically, my encryption standards were out of date. And I feel like, okay, now, you know, the level of encryption, I'm not a tech person, so I'm, I'm just talking as a layman, right? But that my level of encryption that I'm currently using or the format that I'm using is easily breachable, right? Um, and I say that I want to actually uh, you know, it, it is an, it is agreed by everybody that, look, this is something that should be upgraded, right? The problem is that you need to carve out resources to be able to do that and to be able to make that upgrade. And in any discussion, when you say, look, how are we using our tech resources this sprint? The so these things, there is a natural tendency to say, actually, there's this important item, which, you know, needed to be built for a long time to improve business. So let's focus on building that. We'll do the, we'll do the encryption upgrade next week. You know, and, so I think that that's the problem, right? And I, I think the attitude towards it has to be that, look, these things are, it's it's fine as long as nothing goes wrong, but the day something goes wrong, it can potentially put you out of business, right? Well, exactly. now, I think this is that Kind of priority that, you know, I guess founders, even like us need to, you know, we need to adopt that mindset that it's not about, can this be done later? It's about, Hey, if I don't do this now, worst case scenario, if however, remote the chance may be, if I do get hit. Is this something that potentially puts me out of business and i think if people start thinking about it like that then you know these things will get prioritized better
0: correctly said right right so uh coming to my last question uh, which i would like to both of you like uh, uh, like if you have to say top three things that require for a longer term cybersecurity strategy uh, for the coming years uh what would be the those two three things uh sanket you would like to address uh so.
1: yes uh so point number one would be the top management should have a clear understanding of what's the cyber posture of the organization where do they stand in terms of cyber security most of the time they have this attitude my CISO would look into it my head of it would look into it the top management and the board should have an understanding of where to the stand in terms of cybersecurity. Right. That's point number one. Point number two, keep it very simple. Don't make it super complicated. Most of the people who are implementing still to make it super complicated, which in the long run makes things complicated. Keep it simple. Do the basics right. Put the password policies, have sessions, make proper SOPs. Password characters should be Uh, More than 12 characters, right? So do the basics right, absolute basics right. Right. Just don't implement tools. Uh, That's point number two. And uh, point number three is just do not do the regulatory checks which are there just as a checklist, but actually diligently perform those activities for your health checkups on terms of cybersecurity. These three cents. Apart from that, I won't go into technical stuff in terms of cybersecurity because. I believe the people who are handling the security of those uh, financial organizations are superbly talented, superbly skillful, superbly experienced. So on that front, there is uh, nothing that I would like to say. But these are the points which are kind of a behavioral change. Is something that I would like to uh, convey.
0: Rightly, rightly. As you said, like checklist, uh, that's the reason organization need to go for internal, external audit, regular basis. So to identify the vulnerabilities or risk in their environment, uh, uh, that would be kind of regular activity need to be adhered, ad right?
1: Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. It's just not about that. Like, you should also have an understanding with what's exactly going on, right, uh, uh, from the top management perspective. Because if you look at it, uh, everyone is just not running a business. Three of them are just working because they know that this has been assigned to them and they need to show that this has been done
0: right uh,
1: so and that's the thing that happens right it goes as a checklist kind of thing uh, this year we this quarter we needed to do one vapk one red teaming. we have done that but what's actually the outcome of, um, uh, outcome of that how much have we improved from the last quarter what are the things that has changed which led to this improvement how much did we invest? All this analysis are very important so that you can make those informed decisions in the future.
0: Correct, correct. Rightly said. Yeah. So, uh, Arita would like to add on this. Uh, any three uh, uh, pointers uh, which uh, would like to, any three cybersecurity strategies which would like to be.
2: Uh, so, I think I, I completely, you know, I, I align with what Sankit said. He I mean, hit the really nail on the head. Um, I think the the first thing is there, you know make sure senior stakeholders and you know all senior stakeholders I think need to first establish a baseline where are we? right um, you know and I think most of us if you ask us as non as the not people who are not responsible directly for it that what is the um, where are we on a scale of on a scale of one to hundred on uh, on cyber security I don't think most people will be able to give you a very informed answer right so i think one is just creating awareness i think the second one would also just be to make it a priority right make it a priority you don't uh you know beyond don't delay you know implementation of certain measures and protections as uh, you know for the sake of it just because you don't perceive there to be any imminent threat uh immediately um, that is the second third i think is stay on top of regulations Regulations are fast moving um, and uh, it doesn't matter who you are, especially in the fintech space, there are multiple avenues that you need to be cognizant of, the expectations of your banks and NBRC partners, the expectations of the regulator, uh, data protection bill, uh, and potentially others. Uh, and just stay on top of where the regulations are. Um, those would be my top three.
0: Right. As we navigate the dynamic landscape of financial technology, it is evident that evolution of fintech is inseparable from the imperative to fortify against cyber threats and secure sensitive data. The ongoing collaboration between fintech entities, regulatory bodies, and cybersecurity expert is paramount in maintaining the integrity and trustworthiness of financial system. I think this has been an extremely insightful discussion. I am sure our listeners have a lot to learn from today's conversation, thank you Aditya and Sanket for joining us in this discussion. To all of our listeners, we will be back with another episode of FinTechX very soon. Thank you all. Thanks
2: so much. Thanks Sanket. Thanks thank Sankit. you, Amit.
1: Thank you, Aditya. Thank you.